This is the second podcast um, entitled Who Are You? The first one was just a test to see if this thing was actually working. And the first episode didn't actually get uploaded. Um, So anyway, here goes again. This is called Who Are You? There are some things in life that we can control and there are many that we can't. Many people seem to get this confused. In order to be successful and empowered to change the things we can control, we must first come to a realistic assessment of the things that we can't control and be comfortable with who we are. We can't change who we are, but we, can't ch- but we can change how we are. Let me explain what I mean. I'm a short, stocky guy, relatively hairy. I was born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee in 1960. This is my reality. I cannot change who I am. I cannot wish myself taller. I cannot change my age. I cannot even change the fact that I'm hairy unless I just shaved a whole lot or waxed, and I really don't want to do that. But what I can change is my own mind and heart and strive to be a better man. I can change how I view and approach life. I accept my reality, and I like it. You know, there's a popular idea that we can create our own reality. I've heard that idea expressed in several different writings and speeches and so forth. Um, Shirley MacLaine uh, promoted that idea in one of her books a a while back. The idea is that you can um, create your own reality. If you think about it seriously, um, you've got to conclude that that idea is nonsense. It's not logical. I think sometimes in our ideas and thinking, we need to follow the ideas that we have to their logical conclusion. And I think a lot of times people don't do that. You have to think it all the way through. Reality is not something that exists in our minds that we can just will to materialize. Reality exists in and of itself at the will of the Creator, despite what we do or do not think about it. Think about this for a minute. You live in a real town, in a real state, in a real country, on a real continent, on a real planet that revolves around a real sun. Your thought process and your wishes can't change that. That is reality. You live in a real body that you cannot fundamentally change. You can improve your body by taking proper care of it, but you can't change it. Like I said a minute ago, I can't make myself taller. You can change reality to a degree, and I might add to a very limited degree, but you can't create it. My reality might be that my backyard is nothing but dirt. I don't create a new lawn in my mind and will will it into existence. I go to Lowe's Home Improvement and buy some grass seed and fertilizer. I turn the soil, scatter the seed and the fertilizer at the appropriate time, and I make sure it's well watered. In so doing, I change the reality of my yard being just dirt to the reality of a yard that's covered in grass. Theoretically speaking, of course, I've never actually been very good at doing that. So what is reality? 
the world or state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional ideal of them. That's one of the ways that the dictionary defines reality. Ideologies are notions that we have about the way things should be or how we wish they were, not a factual assessment of what they really are. Ideologies do serve a good purpose, provided they're good ideologies. Granted, there are plenty of bad ideologies in the world, but if an ideology is a good ideology, it serves a good purpose. Ideologies help us envision how we can change reality to make it better, but they do not necessarily represent reality. Let's look at a simple example to show what I mean by this. Suppose you're overweight. Suppose you have 100 extra pounds of excess weight that's causing you health problems. That, at the moment, is your reality in that hypothetical scenario. You do not create a new reality by thinking in your mind that you're 100 pounds lighter. You don't wish yourself 100 pounds lighter. You can change your reality by diet and exercise. So if your ideology is, I can change my reality by taking the necessary steps, then your ideology serves a good purpose. But your ideology in and of itself does not change your reality. Simply thinking, I can change my reality by taking the necessary steps, does not change your reality. (laughs) You must actually take the necessary steps, not just think about them and acknowledge them. Thinking about and acknowledging the necessary steps without actually taking them is just wishing. As my wise old grandmother was fond of saying, wish in one hand and um, explicit indicating a function of the bowels in the other hand and see which one gets full first. Idealistically, I would like to believe that people are basically good. This is a popular idea. This would make life much simpler. The idea goes something like this. People are basically good and they go astray or turn bad because of bad influences and not having the right opportunities. If people are provided the the right and good influences, as the thinking goes, and given the right opportunities to excel, they will turn out to be good people. That line of thinking also believes that children are born like blank slates, and those who raise and care for them are either write good stuff or bad stuff on that blank slate. Like I said, this is a pleasant idea, and that that idea fuels much of how parenting and education is done. If you're a young um, couple, a young person, and you have a new child, you know, and you want to learn how to be a good parent, you know, all it takes us a trip to the local um, bookstore, and you can find so many books on how to parent the right way that you probably wouldn't be able to read all the books in in 10 lifetimes. There's so much information out there. There's only one problem with the idea. It doesn't correspond to reality. There are plenty of examples of children who are born in ideal circumstances, children who are raised by good, loving, and nurturing parents 
who turn out to be bad people. Transversely, there are also plenty of examples of children who are born into into deplorable circumstances and or raised by uncaring and abusive parents who overcome and turn out to be good people. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't take your parenting seriously and try to instill as much good stuff in your children as you, as you can. You certainly should, and I'm not discrediting, you know, the effort to do that. I'm just saying that you can't expect that if you follow that formula, you're always going to get the results you're looking for, and you can't say that, you know, if, if a person... Um, is raised in the wrong circumstances or whatever, that they don't stand any hope or chance of turning out to be a good person, because they certainly can. So in order for any idea to be valid, that idea must correspond to reality. Saying that people are inherently good in the moral and ethical sense is simply not true. There is a biblical answer to that dilemma, but I won't get into that right now. All one must do is conduct a cursory review of history to learn that human beings are not basically good. It seems like all we've been doing is killing each other ever since the beginning of time. Something has gone drastically wrong with the human race. In order to bring about good in the world, we must first accurately assess what reality is and work to change it, not believe a lie about reality and think that it's something that it's not. In order to make reality better, we can't just pretend that it's something that it is not and live under the delusion of wishful thinking. We have to positively assess the good that does exist and be thankful for it. That empowers us to take the necessary steps to change what needs to be changed. If we do not start with an attitude of thankfulness for all that is good, we're starting our journey towards changing that which needs to be changed on an empty tank, so to speak. That journey, even if it is started with the the best of intentions, will come to a speedy end in failure. So thankfulness and gratitude is a very empowering character trait to learn. Some people live with the outlook that life is basically bad, and they view life from that perspective. This leads to a very grim view of life, and that outlook is not based on reality. Everything in life is not bad. Other people think that if they ignore the bad and just pretend that everything is good, that life will be okay. That outlook is also not based on reality. The reality is that there is plenty of good and plenty of bad in the world. Life and the world that we live is a huge paradox. Viewing life as basically bad and hopeless leads to nihilism. Viewing life as all good ignores the evil around us and leads us to complacency. We live in an age when social justice warriors abound. In one sense, that is a good thing. It's good for people to get involved in social issues that they feel passionate about. Granted, I do contend that some social justice movements are misguided and or misinformed 
But the fact that people feel the need to do something to make the world a better place is a positive thing, so I don't discredit the intention. However, I think far too many people want to focus on the immediate or the big picture issue, you know, whatever the cause is, while ignoring the small picture issues, which is their own moral character. Small things lead to big things. That's an important concept for us to understand in our lives. You can't ignore your own moral character and jump straight to whatever the cause is. Because in so doing, you poison the problem resolution process if you don't deal with your own issues first. If you want to, quote, save the planet by championing the cause of cleaning up the environment, which is certainly a noble goal. But your own house or apartment is a total wreck because you don't clean up after yourself. Perhaps you should start improving the planet by making your own bed and then moving to the rest of the house, and then moving to your neighborhood, and then working to your city, and then your country, and outward to the planet, instead of just immediately jumping to the planet. So the point is, you know, start with the small things and work your way outward. Learning to do the small things right gives you the power and the ability to move on to the larger things and do those things right. It's comical to me that so many career politicians, many of whom are millionaires and some even billionaires, just rail on about how evil capitalism is when they themselves become rich through a capitalistic economy. Many of them will espouse the virtues of socialism and rant on about income inequality and do absolutely nothing using their own money to make the lives of those around them better. You know, if they would start where they are, instead of preaching this hypocritical nonsense that everyone else should change when they're not doing anything with that which they have the power to do, they preach to to society at large about the redistribution of wealth, and they do nothing about what they have the power to control, which is their own money. That brings us to another interesting point. You don't solve any serious problem simply by getting on social media and ranting about it. Now, I've done plenty of that myself, and I've decided to get off Facebook because it just seems to me like it's kind of a pointless exercise, and people just argue back and forth about stuff. You know, when you get on social media and rant about something, all it really does is get it off your own chest temporarily, but it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't correct any problems. You know, you might argue, well, my expressing my views might change another person's thinking, so it can be useful in changing things for the better. Well, that's not what I've witnessed on social media. It seems like people gravitate towards others who share their own views and ignore or argue back at others who don't. I personally am of the opinion that most social media is not an effective method of changing anyone's mind about anything. If anything, it only serves to solidify our own predetermined ideas and opinions. Through social media, we tend to become even more entrenched than our own predetermined ideas. Leading a mentally and emotionally healthy life 
begins with becoming comfortable in your own skin and liking who you are and accepting who you are first. You must first become reconciled to reality before you can work to change it. Part of this involves recognizing and admitting your own prejudices and preconceived ideas about things and the negative impact that those things have had on your perspective. For example, some of the members of my biological family expressed racist ideas to me when I was growing up. Rather than me denying that I was affected by those things, I must honestly admit that I did, and for a while I incorporated some of those ideas into my own way of thinking, either intentionally or subconsciously. Only when I recognize that and admit it can I take the necessary steps to change my way of thinking in a positive way and work to be a less racist or better yet, an even non-racist person. But I don't deny that those things have affected me and I don't deny that I've ever thought that way before because I certainly have. I don't, you know, I'm not proud of that, but I'm just being honest. We've all been influenced to some degree by judgmental uh, ideas about others. When we've had judgmental ideas and judgmental thoughts about other people, we grow up learning that from the time we're old enough to talk. You know, we go to elementary school and it seems like little kids are the worst about stereotyping each other and putting each other in these little stereotype groups and saying this person's this way because they dress a certain way or they wear their hair a certain way or they wear glasses or they're little or big or muscly or you know uh, athletic or maybe the the kid that gets classified as being the, the you know the nerd because he likes to read or whatever kids are just awful about passing those judgmental ideas, you know, about each other. And as we mature and grow up, you know, we should move beyond that. Um, So the question we need to ask ourselves is, you know, how have those ideas affected us and what do we need to do to change it? Let me, let me ask you this question. Who are you? You are so much more than the reflection you see staring back at yourself in the bathroom mirror. You are a creation made in the image of God. As such, you and everyone else has infinite worth. The word that is used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament for dishonoring God is the word we call blasphemy. But if you study the word blasphemy as it was originally used, it was also related to speaking um, negativity, negativity or judgmentalism over a person. And the reason why this is such an important thing for us to understand is if we understand that we are made in the image of God and everyone else is made in the image of God, when you do something to insult or hurt another person, You're speaking to that person, you're insulting that person, and you're hurting that person, but that person has the image of God in them, so in a sense, you're committing blasphemy because you're speaking against God, their creator. But, you know, we were made in the image of God, but then sin, or that 
self-willed spiritual rebellion against the one who made us has distorted that image. Imagine something with me for a minute. Imagine God is staring into a calm body of water and looking at his own reflection. I know we don't know what God looks like, but just, you know, play along with me here for a minute. Suppose God looks like a man and he's staring at his own reflection in a, in a calm lake. I like to go walking around the lake and when the lake is just real still and calm, it reflects everything around it, all the buildings and trees and everything. And it's like a mirror image of whatever's around it. So just imagine God staring into that calm body of water. The calmer the water is, the more accurate the reflection is. You are that reflection. Now imagine someone throwing a rock into that water. The rock causes ripples and suddenly the image is distorted. Sin is that rock. The one causing the reflection, in other words, God, has not changed. But the reflection has changed. That is why mankind is such a mess. Mankind is a huge paradox. Human beings are both brilliant and creative and at the same time intentionally ignorant or willfully ignorant to the realities of life and destructive. We create and we destroy. We love and we kill. We are created as creatures for eternity and the poison of sin drags us to the grave. It does not have to be this way. Jesus Christ restores the image of God in us. Turn to him, learn from him, trust him, and obey him, and he will calm that body of water and restore the reflection of God in you and give you eternal life, because that's what he has promised.